The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's going to be real tough to fit all of our stuff in today in under an hour, but I'm going to try. You guys know I'm always trying. I guess it doesn't really matter. There are a lot of shows out there that run 70, 80, 90 minutes. There are some podcasts that go like two, two and a half hours long. I don't know how people get through those, which is not a knock on any of them. I also don't know how people record those. I think the longest show we've ever put out here that wasn't a canned version of like a four-hour live show was, was something like 95 minutes, and that was... That was brutally long. I'm, I'm a man who likes to get his stuff jammed into a more uh, compact size podcast. We got a bunch of things to talk about before we even dive into the fantasy stuff today. So if you're new to the show, uh, I'd love it if you sat through all of this. I understand if you start to get impatient. Um, there's probably some eight to ten minutes of things that we really need to go over that are more important than the content of the show today. I know I, I, I try really hard on this show to dive right into the good stuff, the meat uh, but this non-meat stuff is important to you, especially if you want to get more details about playing in leagues with the great at Hootball. Yeah, that's mixed in there as well. You just got to listen to all my little pre-show stuff to get there. And I, I hope that you will. I also hope that you don't hate me. And if you're going to hate me from listening to all this stuff, then just skip forward. But if you want to hear about all the cool stuff going on at Hootball, then stick with us. I promise it's only going to be a small portion of your day. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. A new week begins here. I am Dan Bespris. This is, of course, a Hoopball and Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee presentation. Hoopball. The website is hoop-ball.com. The Twitter handle is at hoopballfantasy. When you dream at night, dream of hoopball. Hoopball Fantasy. Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee, H-I Kona Coffee on Twitter. HawaiianIsles.com is the website. You can get them on Amazon. They have instructed us that Amazon is probably the easiest spot for folks kind of trying out their coffee for the first time because you can get the bag sent to you prime. You won't get nailed uh, for any shipping fees. If you want to go big, the website is probably the place to go. If you want to go small, demo some stuff, maybe get a little bag here, a little bag there. Probably Amazon, the better spot. Again, it's Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. First ever partner for us here on this podcast. Uh, and they will always be at the forefront of everything we do. They are also the proud sponsor of the Hoopball Draft Guide, which came out on Friday. You guys likely heard me. I inserted myself. I mean, this is, real, this is a brazen move on my part. I inserted myself at the beginning of the last two shows before... Neil and, jo or, uh, Neil and Eric, I think it was on Thursday, and then Adrian and Coach on Friday did the actual show. I inserted myself before the show. Real dick move, Dan. But you guys need to know what was going on with the draft guide, so I'm glad I did it. I do not regret my decision. Uh, and a lot of you went out and got the draft guide, which is freaking amazing. We had, I think we've got... Uh, well, no, I don't think I have the numbers exactly right, but I'm fairly certain that we are, after three days, way, way ahead in terms of how many people are getting on board, and we are thrilled 
to have you guys. A couple of notes on the draft guide before we start digging into this stuff for the day. Uh, note number one, it's awesome. It has the the player profiles, which is now approaching 450. I keep asking you for Mike Pasador, the man we call Panda, to get me a word count on those things. Uh, but it's not done yet, so he hasn't sent it over. Uh, every time some weirdo is added to a roster, they're writing them up. Of course, it was not a weirdo over the weekend, but we'll talk about that in a minute. I have to, even though I don't want to. Dwight Howard. Yeah, he's in the draft guide. Uh, Price did go up. This is true. Draft guide is no longer at its world's lowest weekend rate, but that doesn't mean you can't go get it. Right? Because sales are great. It was $13.99 for the draft guide over the weekend. You could get the pro package, which was the draft guide, and the full season uh, game time premium membership for $34.99. And you could add on the early B-150, meaning access to the B-150 on September 23rd, two weeks before everybody else gets it, uh, for $44.99. All of those prices only went up by $2. So it's not as though it priced itself out. And if you didn't have a chance to get it over the weekend, let's say you didn't listen to some podcasts last week that were letting you know, maybe you were off the grid for a couple days and you didn't see our, like, 35 tweets about it over the weekend, uh, you can still get the draft guide or the pro package or the champions package, or you can get premium membership a la carte. You can get the early B-150 access a la carte. All this stuff is still available. It's just that the draft guide and the resultant deals, the package deals, just each went up by two bucks. So yes, it'll cost you more. From a percentage standpoint, it was 14, now it's 16. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a, whatever that is, 15% jump. Uh, but it's still only $2. It's pretty easy to find two bucks lying around. So if you haven't gotten the draft guide yet, still get it. Uh, yes, truth of the matter is you missed the lowest price. It's never going to be $13.99 again uh, during this draft season, I should say. Uh, we will likely have coupons that float out at some point down the line, but it's never going to get as low as $13.99 again. Uh, $15.99 is probably about as low as it's going to be. So that's what it is right now. And it will be for, I think, about a week, maybe two at the very most. It does slowly go up as we continue to add features to it and as we get closer to actual NBA games. So again, if you're thinking about getting the draft guide, go do it now. If you're trying to figure out where to find it, Follow any of us on Twitter. I am at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I can tell you where to find this stuff. Hoopball Fantasy, we have a billion tweets that have gone out from that one uh, with the link to the, the Draft Guide landing page, and we'd love it if you guys would check it out. It's unbelievable stuff. Uh, it's got, And we just keep adding to it over the entire draft season. With some of the stuff, meaning the big ticket rankings, the projections, those come later because it helps pre- it helps preserve value for you guys. I know a lot of people are like, I don't see how that makes sense, but I, I'm happy to explain it to it here on the podcast. And I know we've got this long opening here, so I apologize for that. Here's why. Most of us are not drafting right now. For the handful of you that are, the lack of projections, yeah, maybe that's a little bit of a buzzkill. But for most of us that are drafting, you know, October 10th to October 20th, even the end of September to October 20th, having the projections out now would be a terrible thing. Everybody would be able to adjust. The market would adjust. You want those projections in your hand right before your draft. That's when you want them, when you can add it to your info, adjust your numbers, 
and get in there and dominate people before the market can adjust. Because once the market adjusts and ADPs shift, that trickles into the actual draft rooms because the players start moving around. People that rank guys by ADP, we don't want hoop balls numbers getting in there and moving those for you. We want you guys to be able to pick it apart before the ADP shift. So anyway, draft guide 1599, 450 player profiles, minute breakdowns. Those are in there right now, depth charts. It's sweet and it's getting sweeter. Welcome to the show, by the way, officially, for real now. Uh, There's so many things I need to talk about, but I wanted to let you guys know what we're going to be doing this week. Going to switch things up a little bit. Originally, this was going to be the last week that we went with the three-show week mantra, but I'm going to be adjusting that uh, because we do have a new partner with us here on the show. I'll tell you about that here momentarily. So you're stuck with Dan all five days of the week here going forward. We jumped in a week earlier than expected. Uh, So (laughs) saddle up, partner. We will still have guests on the podcast. Fear not. You know, we'll still talk to Neil and we'll still talk to Brandon. We'll still get Josh and Eric and Adrian and Coach. They'll all be on the podcast from time to time, but it's not going to be how it was during most of the offseason where I only did the first three shows of the week. You got me for all five now. We just have too many things going on. It's time for me to dive back in, make sure that uh, if anybody's going to screw anything up, it's going to be me. That's the rule here on Fantasy NBA Today. So five shows of Dan, that's priority number one. Priority number two is I thought it might be kind of fun to sort of re-announce my five-show-a-week participation here with a break from team breakdowns. We've knocked out the entire Western Conference. We finished them up on Wednesday of last week. It would be presumably about nine shows at our current clip to finish up the Eastern Conference, but uh, you know I'm back in the driver's seat here five days a week, so I thought it might be more fun to flip things and break down some draft results. I haven't done that at all on this podcast yet, so it's time. Today we're going to start a probably two- to three-day plod through our good friend Eric Ong's 16-team, nine-cat, head-to-head mock draft. No, this is a real draft. Excuse me, real draft. It's a mock for our sake because we're analyzing it like any other draft that's happened that we aren't in, but we have the results from that draft, and we'll be going through those. Uh, more than likely, we'll probably go through them slowly here with the big names at the front end of the draft, and then as things uh, get into no man's land, then we'll start to move a little bit faster. And I think those are the... B- no, Dan... You see, that was that was fake. I d- absolutely remembered what was coming, and I tried to I tried to play it off like a oh I didn't see you come in there. We have one more massive, massive development. Get ready. Are you ready? Hoop ball leagues are open today. Today, people, hoop ball leagues are open. Uh, all of our leagues are at fan tracks, so you don't even need to ask that up front. All of our leagues are nine category right now. If we start hitting an inflection point where we have too many leagues and everybody wants eight cat, or there's you know if there's twelve of you that come that decide you want an eight cat league instead, we can do that. As it stands right now, we have four league quadrants. We have nine cat roto free, nine cat roto cash. 9-cat head-to-head free, and 9-cat head-to-head cash leagues. You guys, many of you know how this works. A lot of you listeners of the podcast were in 
hoopball leagues. Last year, again, they are through Fantrax. So you got to set up an account over there if you don't have one already. Here's how you do it, and I'll be sending out some tweets about it. Myself and my good my good friend Captain the Captain, we'll call him from the Hoopball forums, will be organizing the leagues this year. I will be sending out tweets and podcast announcements about the Hoopball leagues. What you guys need to do is let me know if you want to be in one. We are not renewing any leagues from previous years. It's too hard with people that drop out. So it's always going to be a fresh ad, presumably every year, outside of, of course, the Dynasty Leagues, which uh, the great Danny Reed is hosting a bunch of those. I think they're full now. I think we have four of them going all of a sudden. But don't worry about those. This is head-to-head. This is Roto. They're nine-cat. The settings are pretty straightforward. For the cash leagues, it's a $50 buy-in. Pretty small, by all accounts. We didn't want to go big. We figured that would price people out. This is a fun way to get involved with other hoopball readers and listeners. Really good, smart, sharp fantasy players. For the Roto Leagues, they are both daily moves. This has been a point of contention in previous years. They are daily moves with a games cap of 82 per position. There are two centers and two utility spots, so those games caps are obviously 164. But it's every other position, 82, daily moves. Short waiver period. I don't like people on waivers. With a games cap, there's really no reason because roster churn makes no sense. Streaming makes no sense. Head-to-head leagues are weekly. Both. Cash and free. Head-to-head leagues are weekly. The league ends 10 days early. So the playoffs do not go through the final silly season of the NBA campaign. You will have six out of the 12 teams making the playoffs. First round buys for seeds one and two. Six plays three, four plays five. You guys know how it works from there. And again, the league will end before the final 10 days of the regular season. So whatever it is, a couple days into April. You can work your way backwards from that. Three weeks of playoffs, regular season ends at that point. So about 30 days before the actual season ends. The regular season ends. That's the settings you need to worry about. We're keeping it straightforward. We're keeping it simple. Keeping it easy. It's all category-based. There's no point league stuff going on. Roto's standard Roto scoring format for head-to-head. You're going to get a point for each category you win. So it's not the, you know, you win, you get one point, you lose, you lose one point. It's, you know, best of nine every week. And we'd love it if you guys hopped into the league. So hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. I'll make sure to get you in touch with Curtis. He's going to be handling the placement in these leagues. You need to have a functional email address to be in the leagues this year. That's the only change from past seasons where we did it via Twitter direct message. We will still contact you via Twitter direct message, but the codes, the access codes, are going to be given out by email only. So we'll get in touch with you by DM Then we'll email, I got to make sure I know who's in every league. We had too many times last year where people were disappearing, and we can't have that. So we need email. We need ways to get in touch with you guys. We need to know who's in which league, and that's easy. So hit us up, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, on Twitter. Let me know if you want to be in the Hoopball Leagues this year. They'll be open from now until about 15 days before the season starts, and then we'll get all those drafts rolling. Many of them, by the way, will be slow drafts. Because we're going to have people from across the globe. So it's not like you can just pick three in the afternoon here on the Pacific Coast. Because folks in, you know, Belgrade are probably 12, 1 in the morning, something like that. We can't pick the morning because 
our folks down at the in the southern hemisphere in Australia and New Zealand are probably going to be in the middle of the night. So it's slow draft. There will be pauses. Don't worry. We'll get all that set up. Uh, set a queue. That's the rule on all of that stuff if you really want to have fun with this thing. And the hoop ball leagues are open. Man, what a time. So many things going on. I already blew the first. What are we at now? We're like 14 minutes in, and I still haven't talked about anything important. Oh, I feel terrible. But all these things needed to be talked about. They needed to be talked about. All right, let's start getting into this thing. Real draft results. Once again, provided by our good friend at Fantasy Hoopla, the great Eric Ong, one of the premier minds in fantasy basketball. And we are fortunate enough to have him as our one of our editors on the written side at Hoopball. Let's dive into this thing. So from my perspective, I know I said it's 9-cat, 16-team. I sort of don't care that it's 16-teams. I don't really care what player ended up on which club. I know that sometimes there's there's an element to pairing guys, right? So if I, in this league, I think the, uh, what do we have here? It looks like there might have even been some trades that went on where the number one seed gave up second and third round pick to get a second. So we, we kind of have to dodge a little bit of that where you're like, okay, well, who did, you know, the guy that picked at nine, Damian Lillard, who did he pair up with his guy? And I, I honestly don't know the answer to that because I don't even see that he got a second round pick. So we're not going to worry about that stuff. I know that there's going to be some weird picks that pop up because people are doing the pairing thing early in their draft, but we're going to dodge that. And we're really just going to look at who went when. Again, this is a head-to-head league. So what you have to do as you're hearing these names is recognize that some of the guys with injury numbers would probably go earlier in a roto format. Because in head-to-head, you just can't have someone who's not playing at the end of March and the beginning of April. You can't. In Roto, all of their games that they built into your roster over the first four and a half, five months of the season, those are still relevant. Those points don't go away. In head-to-head, if you hit the playoffs, sure, you know, uh, let's see. What's a good example of someone from early that could sit out late? Kawhi Leonard. Pretty straightforward one, right? Kawhi Leonard could sit out late. He's going to go earlier in Roto. In every draft, I would think, than in head-to-head. Because there's all this fear. What if the Clippers have a playoff spot locked up and a couple of games down the stretch where they could just beat people up? Or hard games, maybe even worse? They'll sit him. What if you only get two games a week out of Kawhi Leonard in your playoffs? That's a reason why you're going to see him float down the charts. Even if his total games is like 65-66, which for a first-round per game guy in 9-cat is absolutely going to be a second-round value or better. In head-to-head, he becomes almost useless to you, clogging up a roster spot, playing a game a week in your playoffs. So that's the kind of guy that's going to float down the chart. Keep that in the back of your mind. Keep that in the back of your mind as we go through these head-to-head results. So to those of you that are tuning in for the first time, I probably should have given a better uh, note at the opening that we were going to have some things to go over. But you know what? We're diving in now, and that's what's most important. Round one, pick one. What a fun thing to say. James Harden. Pretty easy one. Honestly, in a head-to-head format, yeah, we hear things every year about him maybe getting a little bit more rest time. And every year, it doesn't shake out. James Harden, pick number one. That's a 
a very safe one. You know he's going to be great. Even with Russell Westbrook in town, he will be fine. And as far as head-to-head goes, he's a guy that, yeah, he's going to be high on the turnover scale, but he's a guy that can win you weeks by himself. I have no problem with this selection, and we will continue forward. Pick number two, Giannis Antetokounmpo. You guys have heard me, those of you that have listened to the podcast for multiple years, uh, you know that I have been accused at times, somewhat jokingly, uh, also maybe there's a there's a twinge of uh, seriousness to it, of not liking Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I always have to preface what I say with, he's incredible. He's fantastic. Everything about him is marvelous, except from a nine-cat perspective, there are a few holes in his game. Whereas you look at a guy like James Harden, who pulls you down a bit in field goal percent and turnovers, but is just so incredible in points, threes, great in steals, good in rebounds, good in assists. Giannis, very good in points, rebounds, pretty good in assists, nice defensive stats and good field goal percent. But wait, free throw hurt you, turnovers hurt you, lack of three-pointers hurt you. That's three things that are weighing you down. I said it last year, I'll say it again this year. Until one of those three things gets fixed, he's always going to be kind of stuck in that five hole, which is not a bad spot to be when you're playing all 82 games or even high 70s. But last year, and I think Milwaukee's going to do this again, they're good enough where they don't have to roll them out there. 80 games a year to still have a top seed in the Eastern Conference, especially now with the East getting weaker. Milwaukee's going to be fighting with Philadelphia for the one seed, and I don't think that anybody else is going to be that close. I mean, it'll be within a few games, but I don't think it's going to be a dog race. I don't think they're going to all be fighting each other. I guess it'd be a dog fight, wouldn't it? For that top seed, it's going to be two. And then there's going to be a few other teams that are sort of poking at them. And so for Milwaukee, it makes way more sense to have their team healthy come playoff time this year. They've done all the regular season proving it stuff that they need to. The narrative is different for the Bucs this year. So I don't think Giannis plays more than 74, 75 games, which is good. But if you're the number five guy on a per-game basis, and you're playing two or three games less than some of the guys around you, or even the exact same number, he doesn't have that ability to jump them in the totals department that he might have two years ago. Harden plays a ton of basketball games. Cat plays a ton of basketball games. With everybody else, there's a little bit of a risk involved, and Giannis is among them. He's going to get rest days. He's going to take some games off for little nicks and bruises because they'll be fine without him. He'll skip a game against the Washington Wizards, and they'll still win by 25 because they're good. They have good players around him. They have Eric Bledsoe. They have Chris Middleton. They have Brooke Lopez. The list goes on and on with this team. They have plenty of options. Yeah, obviously Giannis on the floor makes them a lot better. He's their best player, but they don't need him every night. So if you're taking Giannis at number two, which I think is going to happen regularly... People, I think, are overlooking the fact that last year was more than likely the start of a trend for Anadokounmpo of skipping a few games here and there. He's among that list now. So I don't know that I'd take him at two. I think if you were going for full durability at two, you go cat. 
You guys know me. I'd rather swing for the fences in this group. It's a very important caveat to that note because you know how very little I like to swing for the fences when you're talking about what could go great versus bad. These are all great picks. There's there's sort of a consensus here that the top five is in a group all by itself. Harden, Giannis, Steph, Cat, Anthony Davis. That's the order they went in in this particular draft. But I think you could rearrange those guys in almost any direction based on your league settings and based on kind of what you're looking to build on your team. James Harden going at one, I have no issue with that at all. In a head-to-head format in particular, I think he gets a leg up over all of these guys except Carl Anthony Towns. And then from a per-game perspective, James has been better than Cat, so you probably give him the leg up there. In a head-to-head, if you're going hard on the durability stuff, you probably go Cat at the second spot. Personally, I happen to think, and I haven't gotten into this too much lately, I happen to think that the per-game edge that Harden, AD, and Steph are going to have this year will outweigh the extra game you get out of maybe a couple games you get out of Giannis and probably a few more than that you get out of Carl Anthony Towns. In a head-to-head format, I'll just tell you how I would arrange these five guys because going through them one by one seems a little bit uh, superfluous at this point. I would probably go Harden at number one, AD at number two, Steph at three, Cat at four, and Giannis at five. That's how I'm stacking them up here, because the two guys that I trust to actually play games are Harden and Towns. The three guys that I trust that put up colossal fantasy numbers are Harden, AD, and Steph. And then Giannis is sort of like the in-between, and that's why he that's why he gets sort of wedged out to the bottom of that top tier. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pull anybody's teeth out for the order that they get picked in, but I happen to think, and then if you go Roto. Uh, I'm not sure that I would switch it at all, actually. Maybe you maybe you go Giannis ahead of Towns, but I think Cat could have a really huge year. So I think I'd probably do it about the same. Only thing I might look into is possibly shifting AD in front of Harden. Because that one or two extra game you get out of James, will it make the difference? Eh. And you guys know how much I prefer big-time steals and blocks. I just, I think AD, and from a percentages standpoint, yes, Harden is the vastly superior free-throw shooter, but having a guy in AD that's going to give you a nice field goal number as well, I think he's probably my number one guy in Roto, and then you probably flip-flop him for head-to-head. He and James Harden. Steph, yeah. Uh, I'm a little worried. He's a little less durable at this point. I I actually think Anthony Davis is more durable than we've given him credit for. He's going to skip those games at halftime. I've made all of my IBS jokes with him. Uh, if the Lakers need it, he's going to play. And he showed that two years ago in New Orleans when they actually needed him on the floor. He played. Missed a few games here and there, but there wasn't anything serious. It was all nicks and bruises, and he mostly fought through it. And if he didn't, it was one game off, and then he came back. And I think you're going to see a lot of that because this is sort of prove-it year for AD and for the Lakers. I don't think they're going to have a ton of time for rest days. They're going to take them here and there. But that's a team that's going to need to figure out how to play with one another. So you're going to see a lot of guys playing almost every game early in the season. Once they hit a point where maybe they feel more comfortable, you might see them take some days off. But I don't think it's going to add up to that much. A real injury happening? Okay, that could happen to any of these guys. I will say that of them, Steph has been the guy who's been hit by more of them. But you never know. You roll the dice. He was really healthy for a few years in a row. 
Number six pick in this draft, Nikola Jokic. And he's been going right behind that top pack. And it's a weird spot to be. I, I actually, I think last year was an easier year to draft the first round than this year. Last year, it felt like there was sort of a clear-cut top four. And then there was a clear-cut kind of like five through eight or nine. And then there were some guys that you always took at the turn. It was really, it was really cut and dry last season. And this season, I don't think that's the case. Because looking back at last year, Jokic was number 13 in nine cat. On a per-game basis, he did play in 80 of their 82 games, which is obviously a big plus for him. Average 20, 11, and 7. 2.1 combined defensive steals. He had a three-pointer, 51% from the field, 82 at the foul line. Yeah, turnovers were a little on the high side, but he was also, again, 7.3 assists. So not a bad assist-to-turnover ratio. My question here with Jokic is, I don't know, I don't really know how he goes up My hunting with him is always, and you guys know this is how I do a lot of my fantasy handicapping, what category or categories could get better for someone that would allow them to make that next leap? For Jokic, I don't really see a clear area where he could get better. Would he take more than 15 shots this coming year? I don't think it's really in his DNA, especially not if Denver's healthy. He's He'd rather, I think, facilitate. His rebounding, 11, that's pretty darn good. He played 31 minutes a game. Maybe you get that up to 32. So maybe there's like a 3% jump in everything. Could the turnovers come down from 3.1 to like 2.9? Maybe. You know, free throw number was good at 82%. Field goal percent number was good at 51. I don't see an obvious jumping spot because he was already good in almost everything. 0.7 blocks, could that come up to 0.9? I mean, we're talking about really little fractions of a fraction of a thing. So how does a guy who was sitting at 13 with a stat set that's already fantastic. How does that guy leap to number six? Seven spots at the top of a draft is a really, really big deal. So I will say this. Looking at the numbers from last year, uh, I think there's a reasonable chance that Nikola Vucevic falls behind Jokic, so that's one spot he could jump up. Kevin Durant isn't playing, so that's another spot he could actually move up. Kawhi Leonard was at number seven last year, but obviously he's going to miss a ton of games, so that's a guy you can probably bump out. So Jokic, just by default, you sort of put him at 10 instead of 13, but the leap from 10 to 6 is where I really can't wrap my head around it. Paul George, maybe you throw him behind it if we find out he's not going to play the first month of the season. That would be a reason to move him behind, Uh, but if Paul is playing, he should probably finish in front of number 10. So, I don't know, question mark. Joel Embiid, do you drop him behind Jokic because of the durability issue? Okay, I guess I could get along with that. Put him at, drop him behind, and, and Jokic now becomes number nine. What about Kyrie Irving? He was in front of Jokic last year, but he missed 15 games. So, do you drop him behind? Yeah, okay, fine. All right, so now we've worked ourselves to number eight. And that's where you're like, all right, I guess this is close enough. I'm going to take him at six. He's not going to go higher than that. 
but he's probably not going to be a whole lot lower. And so that's how you end up with Nikola Jokic at number six. Paul George went at number seven in this draft. I'm not touching him in a draft right now. If we get to October 15th, a week from tip, and the word is that he's playing on opening night, yeah, obviously, he's going to be a guy that keeps moving up the draft board. I mean, we're seeing Paul George going closer to that 10 to 15 range right now with all the stuff going on with his shoulders. If we get good news, I think he ends up going, he might end up going sixth, actually, right behind that top tier before Jokic. If we hear bad news, he might just fall out of the first and first half of the second round altogether. So I'm not touching him right now. If you have a draft right now, I think you've got to skip over Paul George because you just can't risk it with this little information on him. Joel Embiid went at number eight. I don't think I can touch him in a head-to-head league either. He really, to me, he didn't take the flack last year that he should have because everybody was like, oh, well, he's playing most of their ball games." Guys, guys, Joel Embiid's been in the NBA for three seasons now. He's played a total of 158 games, and it's not because there's a big discrepancy on how it's gone. He played 31 games his first year. We all know about that one. Last two years, he's played 63 and 64. If you thought he was unhealthy two years ago, you certainly have to agree he was unhealthy last year. He only played one extra game. One, guys, 63 to 64. His numbers were incredible. He averaged almost 28 points, 11 boards, 0.7 steals, 1.9 blocks, 3.7 assists per game, 80% at the foul line, 48 from the field. He did hit 1.23 pointers. I mean, everything about him screams fantasy juggernaut, except the fact that he still hasn't been able to play 80% of his games in a year. Sub 80% of games, that's a tough guy to stomach in head-to-head in particular. And then in Roto, if you're taking him in front of guys that you think are going to play 77, 78 games, I think you're making a mistake. Because, yeah, he was number nine on a per-game basis, but then you got to flip your chart over to totals and realize that he drops to number 17 down there with Kawhi Leonard. The top 15 looks awfully different on a per-game versus totals basis from last year. Nikola Jokic was number 7 by totals last season. Steph Curry fell down to number 9. He was one of the other guys. That's the, by the way, that was the other name that falls out of that chart. Uh, Anthony Davis falls out of that top chunk when you look at totals. I I think those two guys both play more games this year. But the point of all this is, let's just quickly, I'm going to rattle off the top 15 last year in 9-cat by totals. It was Harden, Paul George, Cat, KD, Vooch, Giannis. Yeah, Vooch was ahead of Giannis, by the way, because of 80 games played versus 72. Jokic at 7, Dame, Steph, Bradley Beal, A.D. Gobert, Drummond, Kemba, and Kyrie Irving. By the way, number 16, LaMarcus Aldridge, ahead of Joel Embiid and Kawhi Leonard by totals. Pretty interesting stuff, especially Aldridge, I think. He's the one that jumps in there where you're like, what? Because he played 81 games last year. That's a big deal. Totals really matter for your good, good players at the top of the chart. And so I don't know. I don't think I can take Joel Embiid at 8, knowing that there's... Right now, he has not yet shown the ability to play 80% of his games in a season. And they have Al Horford now. So there's even less of a reason to force him onto the floor if he's not 100% healthy. Because they're looking at the playoffs too. Damian Lillard went at number 9. I have no problem with that. 
In fact, I, I'd be totally fine if you took him at seven, frankly, just because he was number eight by totals last year. He's hyper durable. He's an incredible leader. He's not a fantasy juggernaut the way that some of these other names are. Obviously, there's more upside with a guy like Joel Embiid if he plays, but I don't think you can believe that he will. So I got no problem with Dame at number nine. And like I said, I'd, I'd even consider him earlier. Vooch went at number 10 in this draft, which based on the numbers we just read, it doesn't sound that crazy. I do think there's a little bit of a step back for him. He got his extension. He's paid now. And he was number 11 on a per-game basis last year. He moved up because he played in 80 ball games. Uh, you're in such a weird spot here, so I can't totally knock the Vooch at 10 pick, especially when you hear some of the names that came behind him. Uh, but I think you can kind of lump him into, into a bucket of players that you know the upside because that's what we had last year. He's not getting any better than that. And the downside, as we've seen before, is some injury history, and does he take his foot off the throttle a little bit? Rudy Gobert went at number 11. That's probably a little earlier than I would take him. I hate to have a guy that puts that kind of a, a thorn in your free throw percent that you're grabbing at the end of the first round. Uh, there are a couple of names that, that come up here a little bit later on in this mock draft that I probably would have taken before this next grouping. But again, you're looking at the head-to-head side, and, and he was durable last year. LeBron James at 12, I think he gets a head-to-head bump this year because his free throw percent is going to hurt you, but I also think he's pissed. He got his rest season. And I think he's going to play down the stretch because I think the Lakers are going to be fighting for those middle seeds in the Western Conference, and I think they'd rather get the four seed than, like, the seven... Honestly, I think they'd rather get the three seed because then you have somebody in the first round that you've probably got an edge over, and then you've got the two, which maybe dodges you from whoever's in that top spot. You're going to have a tough matchup in any round in the West, and you're probably going to have an impossible matchup in the second round regardless of where you end up. But I don't think they want to fall into the six, seven, eight range because then you get stuck with one of those really awesome teams right out of the chute. So I think LeBron is going to play a few more games than people expect this year, uh, and I'm okay with him getting a little bit of a bump back up from where he was on a per-game basis at least last year. From a Roto standpoint, I don't know that you give him that same bump because the free throw percent hurts you all season long. Speaking of free throws, Andre Drummond went at 13 in this head-to-head draft, and that's not crazy. He was number 17 on a per-game basis last year. I told you he was number 13 by totals. He's durable. He's bad in free throw percent, yes, but in a head-to-head format, the stuff he does that's good I think outweighs the stuff he does that's that that's bad. He averaged 17 and 16 last year. Three and a half combined defensive stats. 53% from the field. Only 2.2 turnovers. Yes, the free throw percent was clunky. Uh, but he's out there. He's playing. He, he, to me, is a much better head-to-head grab than Roto. And so for this draft to get him at 13, I got no problem with that. Bradley Beal went at 14. Russell Westbrook went at 15, and Kawhi Leonard went at 16. That's that's how that first round ends. And before we break those guys down, I want to introduce our brand new partner here at Fantasy NBA Today. I'm really excited to tell you guys about MyBookie.com. That's our, our, our second ever partner at Fantasy NBA Today. Pretty sweet, right? I'm excited. I don't know if you're excited. 
And truthfully, before I even tell you about the website, this was actually a really nice partnership for me personally because you guys know I'm a little bit of a degenerate, as you guys have heard before. And I've been for a long time trying to figure out what the best online book is now that things are becoming so so mainstream. And I've tried a few of them out. Uh, really thrilled to have one come on as a partner with us here and help me make my decision easy. There's no basketball to bet on right now other than season win totals, but it is a brand new football season. <laughs> right? This is an important thing. Most of the country loves football. I've, I've always struggled to get into the NFL, but most of the country loves football. Antonio Brown is having his weird stuff going on with the Raiders. Le'Veon Bell is a Jet. Odell Beckham is a Brown. But one thing has not changed. The best place to put your money down is at mybookie.com. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that is proven they are. My bookie is always the right play. You bet, you win, they pay. My bookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for fantasy buffs, that's us, you can even bet the over and under on how many fantasy points different players will score during NFL games. Pretty cool, right? If you're good at the NFL stuff, that is the place to be. Up to $1,000 first deposit bonus, doubling your first deposit. Use promo code TODAY. T-O-D-A-Y, today, to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. Do not forget to use the promo code today, T-O-D-A-Y, when creating your account to claim that bonus. MyBookie.com. Bet, win, get paid. Really excited to have them aboard. You'll be hearing me talk about them uh, every show for hopefully a very long time. I will be, as you guys know, doing my revenge angles in the NBA. We'll be placing those bets over at mybookie.com as well. So welcome to the mix. A thrill to have them aboard. Second ever partner here on Fantasy NBA Today. This is a really... I told you this was a big day. With all the stuff going on, with all the stuff going on, what a time. All right, let's break down those last few picks from Eric Ong's draft, and then we'll put a pin in this thing, and we'll talk about uh, a little bit more of it tomorrow with Neil Rochelani. Uh, I mentioned Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, and Kawhi Leonard. I was originally going to do the top 15. Geesh, I kind of want to do the top 18. Ugh, I kind of want to do the top 20. How much time we got left on this thing? I guess we got a few minutes left. All right, let's see where we go here. Uh, Bradley Beal, number 14. I could be argued two different directions on this one. Here's what I mean. Bradley Beal is in a hype position. I'm trying to explain myself without having to backtrack on my words at all. Bradley Beal is in a hype position because he's coming off what most people would agree was an incredible success of a fantasy season. I think everybody actually would probably agree with that. 25 and a half points, five rebounds, five and a half assists, one and a half steals, 0.7 blocks, guys, from the shooting guard position, two and a half three-pointers, and somehow he was hitting almost three threes a game on 47 and a half percent high-volume shooting. It's hard to find a high-volume shooting guard that's not putting a dent into your field goal percent number, but Beal was that. Medium-volume, decent free-throw number, we'll call that a minor plus, 
and then only 2.7 turnovers per game, which uh, assists to turnover ratio of about 2 to 1. So not bad there either. He played all 82 games, so he's completely shirked the uh, injury bug, we think. And there's no John Wall the entire season coming up, most likely. Most likely. So all of the superficial notes say this is a guy that should have a really good year. The one thing that we might be overlooking with Beal is that last season, Washington had just enough pieces to remain competitive in that garbage zone near the bottom of the Eastern Conference playoff race. But we were trying to figure out what Stinko teams were going to slip in there. Charlotte and Washington, let's not forget, were actually in that fight for a while. And so Beal just kept playing. And then down the stretch, he actually played a few games where he just went for half the ball game and then rested. So his full season per game numbers were actually, I would argue, a tiny bit better than those final numbers would indicate. And those were pretty stinking good. Uh, But he had a few games that kind of pulled his minute count down, which, by the way, is insane when you think about the fact that he actually led the NBA in regular season minutes last year. He led the NBA in regular season minutes. And that's after having that number yanked down a little bit by playing partial games down the stretch. So all of that stuff is like, wow, this is a guy who's going to play 37 minutes per game. He's durable. There's no John Wall. There's literally nobody left in Washington. Jabari Parker's gone. Bobby Portis is gone. Everybody's gone. Tomas Sadoransky's gone. They traded uh, Otto Porter midway through last year. I mean, there's no one left. So it's a classic great player, bad team scenario, which is fantastic through March. So if you're in a head-to-head league, I think you almost have to assume he's not playing the last five to seven games of the season. We blow these numbers out of proportion in our minds, like they're just going to shut him down at the All-Star break, and he's not going to play the final 20 games. I don't think that's the case. I think this is a dude that if he's healthy, he's going to want to get out on the court, and they're going to be terrible regardless of whether or not he's playing. So what's the point, really, of shutting him down? I do think that he will at some point just say, all right, that was good, and that'll probably be in the low 70s, 70 to 72 games. I don't think you're going to get the full 82 out of Bradley Beal this year because there's just no point. Maybe John Wall comes back the following year and they become somewhat competitive. I mean, I don't like John Wall's game all that much, but he's better than what they got at point guard now. Maybe then they try a little bit harder, but this is a lost season for the Wizards. So for me, Bradley Beal is a little bit more of a roto guy than head-to-head this season, but at 14, that's fine. There's still just a couple of guys where in my mind I'm thinking, these are guys that I know are going to be playing in March and April, and so I give them that little... That little bump, it's it's a non... It's a qualitative bump. It's not necessarily a numerical one, but you say, all right, look, is this guy going to play in my playoffs? For Bradley Beal, the answer is, at best, maybe. Russell Westbrook went at 15, which is interesting because that really seems to be where he's going. He finished number 30 in 9-cat on a per-game basis last year. He played 73 games. 
I see no reason why his numbers should go up as James Harden's sidekick. I don't think they they crater the way that a lot of folks are saying, but I, I don't want anything to do with Russell Westbrook this year. Unless you could promise me that his free throw number got back to 80, and no one can promise me that. And if it happens, congratulations if you're the guy that took a chance on him, but no thank you. If you're punting free throws, I could see taking a chance on it. But then what if he's actually good? Then you didn't mean to punt him. He's he's a massive anomaly. Because you just don't know what you're getting at all with him. What's the field goal percent going to be? What's the free throw percent going to be? Is he going to be getting assists like he did in Oklahoma City? I doubt it. Will he be rebounding the same way? I don't know. Maybe. You think he's just going to let... You think Clint Capella is going to just let him steal all those rebounds the way Steven Adams did? I don't, I don't know, man. Harden comes back to rebound too, guys. Let's not forget. That's gang rebound and go on Houston. So I don't, I don't want anything to do with Russell Westbrook, regardless of format. He's right out. Kawhi Leonard went at 16 in this draft, which is later than he's going in most. Looking at some recent uh, other drafts that are floating along, I believe that Kawhi Leonard went at 14 or 15 in another draft. That's right on the cusp, man. In a head-to-head league, I don't think I'm taking him. In Roto, if he fell to 16, I absolutely would. We already talked about this last year. Kawhi Leonard was number 7 on a per-game basis by totals. He was number 18 in only 60 games. If he plays even 64, 65 with the Clippers, absolutely. He's 16. He's number 15 or 16. If he goes higher than that, well, yeah, but I don't think you can count on that. So for Roto, I think this is right around the spot to take him. For head-to-head, he's probably a guy I'm knocking off my list. Number 17. We're just going to go to number 20 on this one. We'll, we'll do the full top two zero. Jimmy Butler at 17. I really like this pick. He was number 24 last year in what I would call probably a worst-case scenario for him. That was on a totals basis. By Per game, he was number 15, despite a lot of stuff going wrong for Jimmy last year. He only took 14 shots per game. He was at times an afterthought on offense in Philadelphia, and then every once in a while, he'd kind of wake up. He skipped a lot of games. He only played 65 last year. Uh, Big-time steals numbers, really good assist-to-turnover stuff. Yeah, he's not going to hit a ton of three-pointers, but who cares? Great free-throw number guy for you. Uh, And I think he's going to have to play down the stretch to get Miami into the playoffs. So they're going to need him out there. Uh, I think you're looking at some sort of number in the 70s on the per game or on the uh, games played situation. And so for Butler, he's a guy I give a little bit of a kick up in head-to-head because I think you probably see him playing down the stretch. Kyrie Irving at 18 in this draft. Uh, he's, a, he's a big question mark because from a per-game status last year, he was fantastic. He was number 10. On a totals status last year, he's number 15. I think that'll surprise a lot of people. I think folks probably thought he should have been lower, missing 15 games. But his per-game numbers were so good, he's so efficient, that the other stuff, missing a few extra games didn't clobber him the way that it might some other guys. That's how he was able to climb the rank so high. I think he's going too low in a lot of drafts this year. I think people are worried that the Nets are going to be resting him down the stretch. New Jersey, or not New Jersey. (laughs) Sorry, Brooklyn. Brooklyn is, they got enough to make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. That's not to say they're going to be good, but they got enough to make the playoffs. 
Uh, I mean, I see no reason why he should be going this late. To me, I'm looking at a guy like Kyrie Irving, and he should probably go five to six slots earlier than this. So I think a couple good grabs here uh, midway through. Well, this is the beginning of their second round, but in a typical 12-team, this is kind of middle of the second round. Those are good guys to get. I got no problem taking those guys at the beginning of the second round. Pascal Siakam went at 19 in this draft. That's too high for me. I mean, we all liked what he did last year. You know, gigantic strides forward for Pascal. Uh, but let's not get too carried away. He was number 40 in 9-cat last season. He's liable to do more this year. But some of his value was tied up in the fact that the shots he was taking were ridiculously efficient looks. He shot 55% people and played in 80 ball games, 17 and 7. Sure, those numbers might come up, but I almost see no way that field goal percent stays at 55. That's got to come down. 0.9 steals, 0.6 blocks. Those are lower numbers than I think people would realize. Maybe those come up a little bit. Uh, I don't, I don't, I mean, there's, okay, so breaking down Pascal quickly here. There are things he can do to push himself up into that next echelon. But to go from 40 on a per-game basis to inside the top 20 is going to take another very big leap. And I think you're wiping out his value taking him that early. I'd rather get him where he finished last year and then hope he takes a half step forward and you get a round of value. If you take him 20 slots earlier... You're skipping a bunch of guys that have proven themselves to be better than him on a per-game basis and don't have to take any steps forward. That's not to say that he won't, Pascal that is, but you are passing up, as evidenced by the very next name on this list, you're passing up what I can almost call a sure thing in the second round, and that's Kemba Walker. He's the 20th pick in this draft. I get it. We're all hunting upside. And there is a universe where Pascal Siakam can be better than Kemba Walker on a per-game basis. That universe is one where Siakam gets his blocks numbers up. That's the spot where it's going to have to happen. It's going to have to happen on the defensive side because a brief and, well, let's call it even a, a barely significant jump in points and rebounds. Let's see, he goes from 17-7 and seven to 20-10. and 10. That's still not enough to get him past Kemba. Not in this part of the draft. Not where there's a chunk in between every player on the list. Kemba Walker, as the lone survivor in Charlotte last year, 26, 4, and 6. Do we think those numbers come down in Boston? Yeah, he probably doesn't have to take 21 shots a game with the Celtics. They've got better players around him, but he's going to be more efficient. Celtics, we've seen point guards in Boston get a bump in their system. And... Even if you don't think Kemba Walker finishes inside the top 20, even if you don't think, it's way easier to predict him finishing in front of a guy like yeah, I'd way rather have the proven asset in this spot. We'll talk about the next chunk of picks from this draft coming up on a future episode of Fantasy NBA. By future, I mean probably tomorrow with the great Neil Rochelani. We'll take a break from... Uh, we'll t- Normally, we talk betting on Tuesdays, but we're kind of in this little uh, basketball lull right now. Thank goodness there's football, huh? If you're a betting, if you're a betting man or woman, uh, so once again, thank you to mybookie.com for coming on with us. Not coming on the show, coming on as a partner with us here on Fantasy NBA today. Always a big thank you to Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee 
for their partnership here on the podcast and of the Hoop Ball Draft Guide. And Hoop Ball Leagues, once again, are open. If you skip through my long intro today, I'll say it again here at the end. Tweet me, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Let me know you'd like to be in a Hoop Ball League. I'll get you connected with Kurt. He's doing placement. <laughs> He's our placement manager here this season for the Hoop Ball Leagues. We're going to get your email address. We'll get you locked in uh, on one of those Hoop Ball Leagues. Have a wonderful Monday, everybody. Again, back with Neil tomorrow. This was Fantasy NBA Today, a Hoop Ball show. So long. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.